hosts, Patrick Harian, Michael Imami, and Logan Franz. One hour of nonstop sports starts right now. And good morning, Columbia, and welcome to another edition of the Hot Corner. I'm your host, Patrick Carrion. Alongside me is Michael Imami and Logan Franz. It is Friday, December 6th, 2019, December. We're almost done with school, guys. It's almost the end of the first semester of all of our sophomore years here. For sure, and seeing that today's stop day was very interesting to walk outside, make it all, all the way to campus to just see no one. See, the, the, the thing that got me a little frustrated, because yesterday, I'm wearing shorts and a sweatshirt. And it's like in the 60s. It's so nice out yesterday. I wake up this morning, walk outside, and I am hit with the winter wind, and I'm frozen on the way here today. It's not really the temperature. It's the problem. It's the wind that's the problem. I think we can all agree with this, especially because you two are from Chicago, and you guys know all about the Windy City. I think the issue is, well, is that... it's not exact. Right. That was there's, a, there's no pun intended. There's other to uh, the whole Windy City deal. Right. But, um, yeah, it, it's just you go out there and it's like 35. And if it's like a steady 35, then I'm like, okay, whatever. If it's a windy 35, then I'm like, all right, I got to bring out a jacket. And if, you know, I was in San Francisco a while back and it was a windy 53. And I was like, I got to get a sweatshirt. So that's just that that's weak. Well, no, it's weak. It, it can be cold, weak. especially if you're off of a waterfront. I mean, you know what? Don't mess with the wind. You're in California. Come on. The wind is bad. It's like it, in it's Florida. Really they're, telling, they're telling their... Uh, there are people on, uh, the, on the news who are like, don't go out, make sure to bring a coat out to stay outside when it's 50 degrees out. It's like, really? 50, 50 flat is fine. 50 with wind is horrible. I Do can you tell you that off of a uh, cruise. I'm going to use, I'm gonna use the old, the old uh, Midwestern way of Chicago. I don't even know if it's really a Chicago thing or anything. Well, the whole 30 degrees house isn't so bad if there's no wind. Weren't you the it's one true, who though. told me that you don't like 50 degree temperatures, though? You're, I don't. You're harassing our Yeah, but I'm not going to be going out friends. in winter, winter coats and just saying, make sure not to stay out there too long. It's too cold for you. Like, yeah, I'll deal with it. I don't, I'm not a fan of anything under pretty much 60 at this point. Yeah, I mean. I'm whatever. fine with 15, 60s. I like that weather. Weather stinks. Wind is bad. You know, you know what was? What was? Well, if you're a Cowboys fan, last night was bad as the Bears won 31-24. The resurgence of Mitchell Trubisky was something that was a lot of fun to watch, especially as someone who's been very critical of him the last few weeks. Maybe very. I'm also very critical of Nagy. The way he ran the game last night was pretty good. I would have to say seeing Trubisky run is something I've been begging for the last month and a half. Yeah, his game plan finally looked a lot better. He called a great game, and you see... Trubisky in the past couple weeks, he's been getting his legs back. He's been working. He's been playing really well the past couple weeks. So it's something that if you're a Bears fan, it's definitely promising. Now, you have Green Bay, Minnesota, and KC all left on your schedule. And to have any chance making the playoffs, you need to win all three of those games. And even then, it's not a given. So definitely definitely an uphill battle to finish 10-6. You might not even make the playoffs after that. But I think it's something the Bears can do. If they play like they did tonight, they can probably hang with just about anyone. All right. I just want to point out that if a guy or a girl looks at this scoreline here, 31-24, excuse me, Dak Prescott, 27 for 49, 334 yards, one touchdown. Ezekiel Elliott, 19 carries, 81 yards, two touchdowns, averaging 4.3 yards per carry. And obviously you have um, Michael Gallup with 109 yards receiving off of six receptions. And Amari Cooper had six receptions, 83 yards. He was the second guy, of course, in that you know one-two punch that the uh, Cowboys had. And it looked like a close game if you just look at the score line and the stat sheet, but it really wasn't. 
I mean, it was 24 to 7 at one point, and we kind of all knew at some point, I believe, in the fourth quarter in this game with about half the time remaining that the game was over. But, you know, you have those throws that Prescott threw kind of towards the end of the game where it was like, okay, yeah, the Bears are kind of letting up playing a little bit of prevent, which I'm not a fan of, but it also let the clock wind down. And I think it's really important that we all know that Dallas truly did, according to the scoreline, did not get blown out. But according to the game, they certainly did. And that is a big, big concern for Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett's job at this point with all the talent that they've got. They have not been living up to it. Yeah, Chicago definitely looked like the better team on the field last night in pretty much every aspect. And both teams were fighting through a lot of injuries. And I really think Chicago's defense deserves a lot of credit for having this next man up mentality. Danny Trevathan has been out for a couple weeks. Roquan Smith left late, um, early in the game, I'm sorry. And the early indication there is that it's a torn peck and he'll miss the rest of the season. Akeem Hicks is still out for the Bears, but it didn't really make much of a difference. They've just been pounding with whoever they have. Prince Mukamara missed this game, and Kevin Tolliver played real well in this place against Amari Cooper. So it's just this next man up mentality, and it shows you how much depth Chicago has on their defense. And it was it was a lot of fun seeing, like I, I was able to see Cleo Mack do something for, for it. Because he's had two sacks since last, I believe, six six or seven games. Right. He's kind of been, as a friend of mine's uh, a friend of mine said, kind of on the on the back of the the milk carton, the missing kid, <laughs> almost. And seeing him finally get a sack is like kind of, it's kind of what the team really has been. Yeah. They're finally figuring it out now, and it's, there's no better time to actually come together and actually get things going, especially when you need to win the next three games. Exactly. Watching this game as a fan, it was kind of that idea of, like, this is what should have been happening all year. This is what, you know, before the season, Nagy was talking about this offense 202 and Trubisky taking a jump. That's what we've been waiting for. And Trubisky said the offense still isn't perfect. There's still a lot of room for improvement, and it definitely isn't. But the fact that he looked as good as he did through three touchdowns, about 250 yards in this game, and rushed for a touchdown as well, that's the promising things that you want to see moving forward. And I don't know if it's safe to say that he's kept his job as a starter next year, but it's definitely starting to look more promising. One little note okay. uh, before we go all over the place here. Leighton Van Der Esch was, of course, out again, and we obviously had this conversation last night where you know, Chicago could have had a field day in the running game. They certainly did. They looked like they were running the ball well. Trubisky was running well. Um, with that kind of a weaker Dallas linebacking core. And I think Dallas at this point really has, unfortunately, even with Van Der Esch out, has no excuses. I mean, I, I think that Jason Garrett is running out of excuses. I think Jerry Jones is running out of excuses for keeping him. Um, I just saw the picture of Michael Bennett last night. The, the Fox showed like the graphic portion of it when they were headed to break. And there was just a picture of Michael Bennett staring out into space. And I think that really kind of encapsulated how Dallas felt last night in that game and I think a lot of people and with on paper I think Dallas is the better team just because they have but I mean Dallas is the better team on paper in a lot of these games that they should be playing you know they were 0-5 in teams above 500 and I think a lot of us had Dallas winning this game and you know including myself who was not a fan of how they were going to be playing this year had them winning this game and you know I, 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 I do not like the Cowboys I have my own personal thoughts on them but all that aside I can honestly tell you that if this were my team I'd be very very frustrated right now going into uh, the playoffs which looks like they might win the NFC East they're six and seven still atop that division but I don't know what to do at this point I, I'm not liking that head coach at all but you know the you know the, the sad thing about all this is 
they're probably still going to make the playoffs. They are, and that's the NFC East for you. I, I'm convinced that no one actually wants to win the NFC East. I've been talking about this it's, for the it's past a consolation couple weeks, prize for being the worst tanked team. I've, they're already statistically one of the worst divisions in football, and then every team from that division lost last week. So I don't know how they're except for the Redskins. Except yes, except for the Redskins. That was what was bizarre about that. I forgot about that. We're but, an anomaly in that uh, in that yeah. division right now. Regardless, when the second half started in this game, there was this sideline report from Aaron Andrews. I'm not sure if either you heard it, but it seemed kind of bizarre to be listening to to me. Not because like what she was like. Normally you just hear, "Oh, we got to do this better," and this, that, and the other. This one was about how the Cowboys' sideline kind of seemed to have been disengaged, almost like they. You know, they they were upset with the way they've been playing, and um, I think she said the attitude there was just kind of ticked off and that they looked lost. Like, that's not something you hear often on a sideline report, and I felt like hearing that was like, did this team just break in the middle of this game? Like, is that what happened? Like, they're just, they're done. Like, they can still make the playoffs, and when you hear about the stuff that's, like, broken and they're lost, that's not typically playoff teams you hear that about. You know, it's like one of those things where you're embarrassed and you're mad about it. And that's the thing. That's, that's the thing conducive to, I think winning. I mean, you're kind of like, oh, I'm so mad. I want to do something about it. I'm angry. I'm going to channel that energy into good play. Well, I was seeing a lot of guys firing each other up. The Cowboys defense was there with coaches and they were nodding their heads. They're like, yeah, man, let's get in it. Let's get it. Let's get back in this game. And they really never did. There was never, it was just a bunch of just angry men on the sideline. And that to me, if you can't channel that into good play, into formulating kind of a winning drive, into kind of getting that energy into something and making it and turning it into something that can something positive, then you really are just angry. I mean, there's no. I mean, it's just. I think that just points out Dallas fans in general right now. They're just mad. Yeah, it, it's, it's and they more, should be. It's 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 more of the whole. What I, what I say is worse is the feeling of just disappointment. It's not. I, Look like I'm despair. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure a lot of Dallas fans are mad, but I think the majority of them are probably one of those. Like all your parents always say, "I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed." Yeah. And that's. I mean, I relate to that to an extent because I. That's how I felt against about the Bears until they started this this little run. Yeah. They're giving me false hope again. <laughs> but I, I was. I was not frustrated. I was just more disappointed because this team is way better than how they're playing. The same with Dallas. This Dallas, Dallas should be a Super Bowl contender if they had the right coaches. Right. They should be, but they're not. And that's the thing that's just going to be very disappointing, especially if you're a Cowboys fan. Yeah, this team kind of shifted into free fall mode. They were winning games, and now they can't win games they're supposed to. Obviously, you know, you could, you could point to the competition was, but, I mean, they even lost to the Jets. So they're just they're just inconsistent. It's not something insistently happening across the board. They'll play tough against the Patriots and lose to the Jets. It's not... There's there's no consistency with this team, and I think ultimately when you look at the talent they have on the roster, you can't deny it's one of the more talented rosters in the NFC and to even the NFL. I think if I'm Jason Garrett, I'm you know I'm coming in to punch my clock on Monday, and I'm worried if that key card's actually going to work. Another thing that um, I think is really astonishing here is you have arguably the number one or. Your, your number one receiver on the team is, like, top five in the league. I mean, it's or top ten in the league. Amari Cooper win. is amazing. <laughs> he is somebody – he is something else. I mean, that guy is – I mean, he is a gift. He is a gift. He says he wants to be with you for the rest of his career. Good for him. You got a real weapon there. Well, how the heck is Stefan Gilmore 
able to hold this guy to no catches versus the Patriots. Because Stefan Gilmore is a very good corner. Right. But, but then no you can, well, what are you catches. getting at here? No catches. That's just showing that he played against a good a good defense. I was listening to a podcast on this and I agreed with him when they said this. They said the guy is great, but when you're able to hold a guy to no catches like that, there is something wrong. That's why you need a number two, man. Joe Buck Michael said, Gallup. Yeah. On that, and it, that and yeah. he, he wasn't great yards today. Uh, yeah, today last night. Last night, but not in that game he didn't. That was a game that they should have came out. That's why they're 0-5 in these games, people. But you're talking about it's it's not like you're you're talking about a bad team that held them. You're talking about no. the Patriots, one of the best defenses in the league. Yes. That's kind of But expected. I'm just saying that is part of the problem. It's part of the problem where we talk about they should be competitive. They should be winning those games. They, they should be honestly, in those games. Honestly, I bet if you asked Both of them a majority of people who would win between the Cowboys and Patriots, I'd bet 90% of them say Patriots. It's not like I, I understand your point, but you're, it'd be different if it was the Jets who held Gallup and Cooper to like under no, thirty. I understand years. that. I, I want to make a point about Amari Cooper. He had not even one catch in that game. This is the number one guy on your team, the ta- most talented guy. Give the credit weapon. to the defense. I do. I'm not saying that. I'm not. I'm not saying that Stephon Gilmore didn't have a fantastic game that night. What I'm saying is, is that this is part of the problem. This is part of the issue. Is that Amari Cooper? Your number one guy who you expect day in and day out to make plays in that time. And I've seen guys who have gone out against fantastic defenses. That's the part of being in the game. When you shut down your number one weapon, I will give credit to the defense. I'm not saying he wasn't outstanding in that game. But I'm still expecting Cooper to make at least one or two plays in that game, not even one catch. Okay, let me make a point about Amari Cooper here. There was a point in, I think, the third quarter of the game where Amari Cooper was on the sideline. He looked like he was kind of wincing in pain. And um, even Troy Eggman said it looks like he's not 100% and that he's it, he's hurt. He's not right. And I think you're right there when you say that he's not right and he's not producing as a result. I think he had a catch late in the fourth quarter that was his second of the game, and he got 20 or so yards on that one. So it kind of made his stats look just a bit better. But he's not been 100% the past couple weeks, and I think it's obvious when you look at him on the field or if you see him on the sidelines kind of like working out those legs. I, I don't think he's 100%, and I think they've been trying to ride it for as long as they can. I love the character he has because I think he's one of the toughest guys out there because he will play through that pain. He will, he will you know, make excuses for it. And that's a thing that I think Amari Cooper needs to really understand is, is that I am not 100% today. I'm still going to go out there and give everything I have, and I'm still going to be better than... 75% of the guys out there because that's what he is. He's the type of guy that is going to be in that lineup regardless of how he feels. And that's the thing that is really unfortunate about this team is because that's the character that is with a lot of these guys, but the production just isn't there for whatever reason. And I think that all comes down to Jason Garrett, and I think there needs to be a new head coach at the helm, and I think that if that talent is managed correctly, a.k.a. Kellen Moore, think if that talent is managed correctly, there can be a lot of changes specifically that I know I would make if I were the new Cowboys head coach that could turn this thing around. It's If it becomes a vacancy this offseason, it's going to be one of the most attractive vac- vacancies in football just because of the young core that you have in place. And I don't even know if they if they don't go in-house with it with Cullen Moore. I think he's going to be promoted to the interim and will probably keep the job. But if he doesn't, I think it looks like one of the best openings to have in football it's just it's a talented roster that's being held back by the coach yeah i definitely think there's going to be a, a lot of good candidates out there too 
All right, and with that, we're heading off to break. We come back. The big three games of the week. You're listening to that corner on KCU 88.1 FM and KCU.FM. This is how we do every day. If you love them enough to turn off your music and pretend like their music is your music. Oh, this is mommy's jam. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's play it again. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. Mizzou basketball is back and KCOU Sports has you covered. Catch every Tiger men's and women's game from Mizzou Arena and select road games on KCOU 88.1 FM and KCOU.FM. Get ready for game day with wall-to-wall coverage leading up to tip on KCOU Sports Saturdays and catch press conferences, full-length replays, and highlights on YouTube and Spotify all season long. Deep three for Mark Smith on the left wing. He hits. They just can't miss right now. Don't miss a second of Tiger basketball on KCLU 88.1 FM, the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. Don't forget, every Saturday this fall is a KCU Sports Saturday. Listen to your favorite KCU sports shows every Saturday, all day long. Catch No Huddle, Mizzou Football, Basketball, and more every Saturday. It's not just a Saturday. It is a KCOU Sports Saturday. What you're hearing is a very special song that plays every Christmas in the Harrigan household. Started by my great uncle Raymond and his annual Christmas Eve party called Wait for the Wagon on Christmas Day. A classic in my house every Christmas as we are celebrating the month of Christmas and all the holidays in December. We're going to be playing Christmas songs coming out of break today and tomorrow on Sports Saturday. And with that, this week in the NFL seems to be having a lot of good games. We have our first one, the Ravens and the Bills, a two teams. We've talked about the Ravens a lot, but a team that's kind of been the big surprise, the Bills. They can still win the AFC East. I think they have a genuine shot. They only lost to the Patriots by one touchdown when they played earlier in the season, and it was a essentially a special teams touchdown. So I think when you get these two going at each other, it can really go either way. I think the Bills have been largely underappreciated this season. I, think- I, I, I love to watch. The Bills are like, maybe it's, it's just the fan culture of the team. I love Bills Mafia. The team is just so much fun to watch. Allen's one of my favorite quarterbacks. He's in my fantasy league, so of course I got to root for him. <laughs> but he's got a cannon and he can run. Yeah, the numbers won't show it though. The Bills are 24th in passing, but who cares about that? The thing that I love about the Bills right now is their defense. They're third ranked in the league. And that's something that I think I've been talking about. I know I mentioned this to you, Logan, a couple days ago. I said, what if the Bills win? that division and I said that would be and I think Patrick said you said that'd be complete chaos and it's not outside the realm of possibility I mean I think the Patriots have an easier schedule than they do but the Patriots could easily lose the last two games that they have last one game that they have and the Bills could win out and this is something that I think a lot of people they don't want to see or they want to see but they don't think it's possible because this is the Buffalo Bills but right now they're looking at a primetime position right now. They they've they beat Dallas in Dallas on Thanksgiving, and they beat him by a, a lot. Um, and that was partially Cowboys issues, but that was also part because Josh Allen was great, and the, the receiving core was hitting on all cylinders. They had a great running game. The defense was spectacular. 
This has been a fun team to watch, and I'm standing by that statement. Sean McDermott has been one of the better coaches in the league for a few years now, a defensive coordinator that came into Buffalo and really made that defense look very, very good. Obviously, they have the, you know, Tredavious White and Micah Hyde there in the secondary and um, a lot of other guys up front, but they've been making it work with what they have, and it's a very talented unit. And then this offense coming in with Josh Allen and kind of, using his, you know, running ability to his advantage, which isn't a thing that was really talked about him a lot coming out of college. And now you have, you know, John Brown there who's been playing like a true number one wide receiver. Cole Beasley's in there who's been having a nice season. And Devin Singletary in at running back who looks like he could be a star in the National Football League. It's just there's a lot of things to like about this team, and there's a lot of talent on there that's really coming together, and they've put together a nice season so far. And especially playing the Ravens this week, they're going to need their A game. And they showed that they can they can hang with the big guns out there. And when they played against the Patriots a couple like a month ago or so, I can't remember the exact day. It's been a while, but if they're able to play like they did against the Patriots and find a way to stop Lamar Jackson, which no one else has really done, other than I guess the Browns. But I'm just kind of ignoring that game. But <laughs> that's what they're going to need to do. And I think they have a very good shot at winning this game. I think they have a shot at it. I don't think they do, but I think they definitely have a chance to win it. I just, I don't see Lamar Jackson being able to be stopped. I just, well, I don't. Someone, someone has to find a way to stop him eventually. I'll, I'll see it when I believe it. Look at, look at this. What this guy I mean, does. He has lost he's, two games. Yeah, but that he still played very well in those two losses. Right. He's the MVP, clear MVP in my eyes right now. Same. I just, someone needs to provide that formula until I believe that it's there. They've. This offense looks so dangerous. They can hit you in so many different ways. Like, show me that he can be stopped, and I'll believe it. But until then, there's no reason for me to believe otherwise. Also, a little quick nugget of information. Um, the last time these two teams met, it was last year, September 9th, 2018. Take a wild guess as to what the final scoreline was in that game. 10-7. to 7. Um, Yeah, it's probably going to be something <laughs> either really low or really high. The last time the Bills and the Ravens met was what year? 2018. Uh, 2018, September 9th. I'm going to give you the score line. Both of you are completely wrong. Well, I never said a score. Right. I mean, you said it could be either really close or really I, I far apart. I said 10 apart. to 7. Okay. Hold so on. Long. Hold on. Like the I Ravens, said, 31 to I'm really bad like at that? score predictions. Close, blowout. but still a blowout further than that. The Ravens won 47 to 3 in Baltimore. Something tells me this game is going to be a lot closer. It definitely will. The Bills are a much better team than they were two years ago. And the Ravens are also a much better team than they were. A year ago. So was, it, was that was that when Joe Flacco was playing still playing quarterback? I believe so. Yeah, I don't know when Lamar oh, took God. over officially, but I believe that's with Joe Flacco. That was not a good look for them. The Bills were pretty terrible last year, obviously, but I think this game is kind of the the point where the Bills can kind of take take back some of that. Where it's like, you know what? Hey, we're hosting. Okay, it's not in Baltimore. We're hosting, and we you got know Bills how, Mafia on yeah, our side. It's hard to play in Buffalo. It really is. So you know what? I think this game is going to be a lot of fun to watch. We're going to talk a little bit about the Ravens here. Really, really quickly before we go around the table for our predictions here. The Ravens have kind of been, a, I guess, a surprise. To me, at least. Because I was not expecting Lamar Jackson to go off the way he has. I'm not expecting to be an MVP candidate. But based on what I saw in the playoffs last year when all of the Ravens fans are booing, and I bet those fans are really eating their words <laughs> at this point because I've, I can't get over just... As, as someone who has been very critical of certain players and seen those players play good or has been very critical of certain teams, as Michael will remind me about my NFC, not NFC, NL East predictions way back when, just watching Lamar Jackson play has been a delight. 
the way he runs, he can throw too. He's, he can beat you in like a million different ways. Yeah, everyone was pointing to those playoff games from last year where he kind of went MIA, and that's a valid argument, but I was looking at what he did in the regular season too, and he showed promise. Now, granted, I wasn't predicting him to do anything close to what he's done this season. I thought he'd be fine, and the defense would kind of be what's carrying that team, but it turns out the defense took a step back, which, you know, losing four-year starters in free agency will do that to you. And then he managed to pick up the pieces, and they're rolling, and they look to me like the clear favorite in the AFC North right now. Well, I mean, that's the, even that statement is just, I mean, that the Ravens right now with Lamar Jackson are historically, I mean, and that's that's the thing that we have to be talking about. This is not something that I think we've ever seen before. This is almost unprecedented in a way because I have not seen a guy throw this good or run this good, really, ever. I mean, you could point out, you know, Michael Vick, Randall Cunningham, Donovan McNabb, Dante Culpepper, all these guys. But, I mean, that, this, no one really beats this guy. And that's the thing that I think is, is almost scaring me in a way is because I feel like kids in this, you know, that, that are fans of this team or fans of the NFL around the league are going to be growing up wearing jerseys of Lamar Jackson. He is transcending this league. And John Harbaugh said that on a sideline when they mic'd him up. He said, kids are going to be wearing your jersey. You are changing this game. And that is something that I think we're going to have to look at and see because I, I really hope this guy ends up becoming something that, you know, we look back 50 years from now and we say, you know, I remember when Lamar Jackson was playing. And this, this, is, this is fantastic. I love it. He's great. Yeah, so I'm trying to pull up a stat while I'm talking here. But Lamar Jackson is slated to crush the single-season rushing record for a quarterback. The current record is held by Michael Vick, who has 1,039 yards. He's currently at 977 yards. He is doing some math in my head here. He's got what? He's about games 70. Left. Yeah, he has four games left, and he's about 70 yards away from Which means he should be in that record. By like next game. He's going yeah. to demolish that record, and that goes to your point, Michael. We've never seen a quarterback run quite like this ever at all. Yeah, I mean, he's so elusive, and then that spin move against Cincinnati was really a staple point of as to what he could do. All right, the Ravens are a five-and-a-half-point favorite. We're going to go around the table, score predictions, and picking the team. As you know, I never picked. I never do score predictions because I stink at them. But I'm going to go with Ravens here. I think it's an easy win for them. I, I think it should be an easy win for them. I'm not feeling dangerous. Um, I'm actually quite nervous as to I'm, I'm uneasy about the score in this game. I don't know if it'll be close um, or too close or, you know, a touchdown. But I, I definitely think the Ravens are winning this game without question. Um, I, I can't give you a score, but I, I know Lamar Jackson is going to come out and win. But I think Josh Allen will still make it interesting. You guys seem to think this will be a big deficit, which is weird because you said the Bills have a real chance of winning this game earlier. I think I'm going to take Baltimore as well, but I think it'll be a close game and definitely a fun one to watch. Our next game here is a battle of the heavyweights, two NFC powerhouses right now, the Niners and the Saints. This is really going to be the game where everyone is going to be able to see if Garoppolo is the real deal, which personally, as I've turned the corner, the last couple weeks I have said he has been a very very good quarterback this year minus what a lot of people say but this is when you were able to see if they're truly for real here the Saints other than the Seahawks game the Saints and I guess the Packers game I guess I'm gonna end up keep naming teams here but whatever <laughs> the Saints are in my opinion the NFC favorite this is where you're able to see if the Niners can hang with them 
And I think it'll be a pretty interesting game, honestly. I feel like we say this every week where this week is the week where we finally see if the 49ers can, you know, hang with the league's best. I've been in on them for weeks. I don't know why you guys keep saying like, oh, this is the week where we finally figure out. We figured out they're one of the best teams in the NFC. They demolished the Packers, and if they win this game, they can have a potential for a home field advantage. Granted, they need the win to the, vi- the division first, which they're not in the lead in, but if they win this game, I think that's a huge help towards doing that and potentially getting home field advantage in the playoffs. I got to ask you guys a question unrelated to anything that has to do with playing this game. Why is this game in the 1 p.m. slot? That's what I was trying to figure out. There are a couple great games in the in the noon slot where it's central time central here, time, Michael. Yeah. There, I yeah, we, we, we don't we don't care about the Eastern time. America zones. runs <laughs> on the East. There was a lot I of. I don't care about the East. Like I think if I'm not we mistaken, live in the Midwest. If I'm not mistaken, Buffalo and Baltimore is also in the noon slot. And it seemed kind of weird to me that we were having so, so many of these great games just kind of buried with, like, seven others going on while it's while that one's going on. Right. I mean, this is just what the, the slot looks like. The 425 games and the 405 game is uh, Chargers-Jacksonville, Tennessee-Oakland, Kansas City-New England at Sunday uh, afternoon, 425, Pittsburgh-Arizona, Seattle-LA is the night game, and then the Monday night game is the Giants-Eagles. So that's just a quick question. Could we please flex – the Monday night game out of existence, please. We, I don't, don't want to watch that. We I don't know, I know that. we can't. I know we can't. Yeah, I was going to say, it. I don't know about the rules there, but I don't think you can flex that on Monday night football. I wish we could. I am tortured because by watching nobody the wants to watch Eli Manning and the terrible Giants well, that's even play, the, play the terrible Eagles that lost to the Dolphins. No one wants to watch that. The yeah. NFC East is always going to get those primetime games. We kind of, you know, we kind of have to let that be there and just, you know, pretend it. It never happened. That's one of those. Like Monday night football is a thing that people look forward to. Right. No one, unless you live in New York or Philly, is going to be looking forward to watching that garbage bowl. No one. Well, I mean, the thing that's funny is, is that Philadelphia now has a clear shot at winning that division now. But the thing is the consolation prize again getting annihilated right. by a, probably the Niners and their wild card. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I'm, I'm looking at here is that and this is what makes me sad. San Francisco, New Orleans, the both teams are 10-2 and two here, but San Francisco could still lose that division and then have to play at an NFC East team's house Honestly, I'd in the wildcard game. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, they're going to get killed either way, but if you think about it, I don't think that's... What was the joke that we were saying last last year where we should replace the NF, an NFC East team with a third wild card? I was saying last season I was making the joke that I we think should the replace Bears an NFC proven, East team. Well, it's the Ram, it would be the Rams at this point. Well, the Rams yeah. are even more torture to watch. But, yeah, I, I, I just think that at this point it's like, are you kidding me, really? But this game is going to be the primetime game in my eyes. Garoppolo Breeze is, I mean, in New Orleans. I mean, it's a you, dome. You, you, got, you got Breeze. You got old line versus new line, yeah. young line. And that's, this is that's, in a that's, dome. That's the game. It's all. It's in a dome. Okay. I don't know. That has no relevancy makes, to what I'm talking about, but okay. You have two guys, one who's who's been around one of the best quarterbacks of all time, Drew Brees, and you have the future. Yeah. Garoppolo. I mean, this is this game has like all the storylines. And it's potentially for a Sunday night game. It's potentially a game that can be played for home field advantage first round by. There's a lot of factors at play here. It's instead you, instead we get Seattle and the underperforming Rams. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to actually continue talking about the game here because we kind of went off the rails there. But it's it's an exciting game to watch regardless of when it's actually going to be played. It's going to be a fun one, and it's definitely going to be a good one, I think. Yeah, the thing that's funny is is that San Francisco has such a good running game. And uh, I don't know, they, they, Emmanuel Sanders is back, right? 
did they say? I'm not sure. He, I think he came back last week, but I'll have to double check on that. I don't know if he's questionable or not. They said, I know he was in and out with injuries, which is a really sad thing to hear about. But I know Garoppolo loves throwing to him. He has the guys, Kittle in there. The thing is, is that with New Orleans' defense, I'm trying to figure out how that's going to fare against San Francisco's running game. Because right now you have the top two teams in the NFC right now. And I think it's really funny because Garoppolo has been in this position where he's been Sons, Kittle, Sanders, and his top running backs, and he's lost games. And I think this brings up a point, and I don't want to get into an argument here with you guys, but I certainly think Garoppolo has needed to be carried in a lot of different ways in regards to who he's had to have, you know, carrying him on his back through drives. He has guys that he relies on. And if he has those guys in this game, I think that really gives San Francisco the edge, largely because of if he can rely on that running game and the screen passes, that's going to make New Orleans a, a ton of problems. Because I think Breeze out there with Michael Thomas and the guys that he has, San Francisco comes in there and wins this game by seven points. I would not be surprised if their entire team is healthy. Yeah, San Francisco has shown you they can beat you in so many different ways. They can beat you on the ground, and if you stop the ground, Garoppolo can go ahead and throw it for four touchdowns against you, and if the offense isn't working, they can go ahead and stop you on defense. They have so many different ways that they can stop you. Minus minus kicker. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> We've been yelling about but kicker I mean, since week one. Gold's been struggling even when he was there, and obviously Chase McLaughlin missed the game when he field goal against Seattle, but I think they can beat you in so many different ways, and I think it's just a fun team this year. To answer the question about if Emmanuel Sanders is coming back, um, 49ers Web Zone says, Emmanuel Sanders still bothered by ribs, but is getting is, quote, getting better and better so not necessarily anything for certain yet but i'm sure we'll figure out later today if he's playing or not might be limited in this game though thing to look out for all right the saints are a two and a half point favorite i'm gonna go with the saints in this one i I feel confident in breeze their offense is phenomenal in my opinion their defense it works and i think they'll be able to hold them hold them back to at least win by a touchdown um so the Saints are favored in this game, and I, I, I'm upset about this, but um, this is actually my upset pick. I'm picking San Francisco to win this game largely not because... Much of an upset there. Uh, it is, in a way. I'm I mean, disappointed New Orleans in, you, in the Superdome, man. New Orleans in the Superdome, and Emmanuel Sanders is somewhat limited. I think that this is going to be a really interesting game, and it's going to be kind of a, a big game for Garoppolo because I feel like we've seen what he can do, but and that's why I'm mad that this game is not in primetime, obviously, because I think that America would love to see this in every region. But right now, I think that Garoppolo comes into the dome. He has the weapons he has. He has the defense he has. And with all that crowd, I don't think it's going to matter. I think he's going to play really well. San Francisco is going to win. That's also my upset pick. I think both of these teams are very good teams. But ultimately, I think New Orleans is going to take it. Sean Payton is my pick for coach of the year if the Steelers don't make the playoffs. And they... We, we didn't talk about them too much during this little blurb about the game, but they can beat you in so many different ways, too, and I think they just had the better team than the 49ers. Watch out for Taysom Hill. That's that's my advice. Anyways, the final game that we're going to talk about here, the Chiefs and the Patriots, the rematch. The, the rematch annual rematch. Of the AFC Feels like we have this every yes, year. Yes, it does. Another game that could possibly make a, a bid for a primetime game. Honestly, there's a lot of there's more story, there's a lot of storylines in this one, too. But this game is going to be something... It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. You have the Patriots coming off of a loss against the Texans. The Chiefs just dominating the Raiders. But, again, it's the Raiders. So, I mean, I I shouldn't be that surprised. But I think this is a big game 
for really the Patriots because a lot of people are starting to doubt Brady again. This is, it's happening again. He's probably going to start that that idiotic we're still here chant, which I'm not a fan of, which is like, did anyone even doubt you anyways? But it's, it's really going to be the game where we're able to see if they're able to bounce back from such a devastating loss. I just want to give the point that the Raiders aren't exactly a pushover. They're in the picture for the playoffs, as we like to say here. Yeah, but if they're in the picture, they would have played at least the Chiefs a little better. Yeah, are the Chiefs just nothing for a long time? Are the Chiefs just shut down a team that's actually pretty decent? That defense has looked a lot better the past couple weeks. Is the point I'm getting at? Can I just say something here? Fire away. The thing that I, I, and this is this is terrible, and, and I apologize to any Patriots fans up there, but I I'm sorry. I watch this New England team every single week, and they are a torture to watch. Similar to the way I have, similar to the problems I have with the Rams, are just they're slow. The defense is kind of, you know, carrying. They haven't been, I mean, they, they, they've had kind of an easy schedule. They've been playing well, and Brady's, you know, been kind of frustrated. But I, they're, they're just, I mean, this is not the Brady that I'm used to seeing. This is not the, you know, firepower Patriots that I'm used to seeing. They're 10-2, and two, but, I mean, I, I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, I think this is just kind of a, a, a circus of just check down passes and low-scoring games in some regard. And I just hate watching them. I, I I don't know what it is exactly. I just feel like this is kind of a worse version of Brady. And I like it when Brady's carrying the team and not the other way around. I just I well, feel well, I feel like the Chiefs like, come in what there. What it and looks win. like is that Father Time finally caught up to Brady. It's not really. I mean, it is him, but it's not really him. I f- I feel like there's a an underlying factor here because right now, like I mean. <laughs> Put Antonio Brown in there. I hate to say this, but put Antonio Brown in that offense. I mean, they did. They did. He caught a touchdown. Okay. It, it wasn't that Antonio Brown was bad. We all know this, and I'm not going to get into it. But imagine how much that changes. Or put a guy like Antonio Brown in there. All right. This offense changes so much. It's not even funny. They need one more guy in there and are one more guy short of, of being that firepower team that they were. And I feel like Brady has been has had his issues this year. But they can come back and certainly be a, 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 at least a realm of their former selves if they're able to get that. Okay, you're saying they're one person away from being that team that they were. Who was that other guy last year? Or who was that other guy two years ago? They've had... Josh Gordon. They've had roughly... Fair enough. They've had roughly the same personnel there. And they're just... They're not getting it done. The wide receivers have been a concern for this team for years. And they're... They're not building it up. They're not giving Brady enough weapons to work with. Obviously, part of it's just that Brady's been slowing down. You know, when you start aging, it's going to catch up to everyone, even the greatest to play the game. But they've never been filling that offense with personnel at the wide receiver position. They had, they have a good running back in Sonny Michelle, and James White is a great pass-catching back. But they, you know, they use them so weird with um Belichick likes using running backs weird and it's always been interesting to me but like a three-headed monster in the he, yeah he misuses them a lot even when there's one that's the clear best that should be getting the bulk of the carries Sonny but I don't Michelle. need to get into that yeah it's not Rex Burkhead they're yeah <laughs> so they're just not playing well on offense and it's a team effort in that case and I think the defense is what's carrying them and I think largely it'll be able to stop this KC attack, but it's there. If you're in New England right now, there's problems. You're worried if you're in New England right now. The Chiefs, 
are not favored by three points. I was going to say the wrong thing, but the Patriots are favored by three points. Okay, it's early in the morning. I am running off of like a solid four hours of sleep. I get you. (laughs) Anyway, I'm going to go with the Patriots reluctantly. Not too proud of it, but I'm going to go with the Patriots. Maybe it's it's my being such a big fan of Tom Brady. I'm just going to rely on him on this. But Patriots win. I'm going to go with the spread. They're going to win by three points. Field goal. I'm not sure I understand why people are picking New England to win this game with Patrick. <laughs> I'm just, I, I don't get it. I really don't. I, I mean, the, the offense has not been great, and the defense has been the star of, of this team, and then Patrick Mahomes has thrown 500 yards, um, and he can light it up. I don't know why the, the Chiefs are not favored in this game. I could see him winning by two touchdowns, but the thing is is that, I, I mean, I get it. it is, the game is in Foxborough. Um this is not my upset pick because I didn't think it would be an upset, but I'm, I'm going to go with the Chiefs here. I think it'll be close, and I think it'll be a decent game, um, and I think it's going to be one to watch. In my notes, I thought you were going to say more. You sounded like your I, tone I was like, I'm going for more. more. No, I, anyway, I had to end it there. Anyways, um, I think as we've been talking about this game, my, um, my feelings about it have been changing. I think it'll probably be a low-scoring game with the Patriots' defense being able to hold KC quite a bit, and then... <sighs> New England's offense just not really producing the past couple weeks, but I'm going to take KC in this game. I think it'll be close. Obviously, it always is when these two teams play against each other. So I'm taking KC, but it'll be close. And now it's time for our upset picks. I'm going to go first. This one, this one might be a little wild. But I have the Broncos beating the Texans. The nine-point spread. Texans are favored. But I think who's going to win this game for the Broncos is Missouri's true son, Drew Locke. We saw him play last week, had a phenomenal game in my opinion. I think he played great. It was a lot of fun to see a Missouri player actually, you know, not break my heart like this team has done this this year, but <laughs> we'll save that for tomorrow. I I wonder revise, there's, a lot, there's a lot of talk. I want to revise your statement a little bit. You said he played very well. I think he played okay. He played good enough to win the game, but he was not like overly impressive. Yeah, yeah. it kind of opinions he, vary. He looked great and then he regressed because the Chargers came back in that game, and I was like, and then he kind of looked okay. I feel like the when he came out and threw his first touchdown, I'm like, oh, my God, here we go. And then it was kind of like, eh, you know, it was like I think it was 20-17 to 17 was the final score, so it wasn't yeah. awesome, but I, I mean, it was good to it, see it him go ugly. out there. It was a little ugly at times. Yeah, but, Cortland hey. Sutton had a, had a great game. And he, a win is a win. He looks like he could be a top-10 wide receiver in the league, Cortland Sutton does, but I think if they, like— they won that game thanks to a pass interference call that was on Casey Hayward. And I'm not saying it was a bad call, but I'm saying they essentially won the game because of that. That set up the game-winning field goal. So it wasn't necessarily anything he did. It was just that they were able to pick on a guy who committed pass interference on that play, which is literally the only thing you can't do in that situation. All right. But I'm going to go with Broncos in this one, Michael. We already said yours. Yeah. yeah I'm still going to be very disappointed in you. You already pick, know You already know the story behind why I picked mine. I said before the garbage. show that I don't have it upset, but I have changed as I've been thinking about it a little bit. It, now, the Jets are 5.5 point favorite against the Dolphins, so I think that classifies. It does. In my I'm, book, anything over five points does classify. I'm taking the Dolphins to beat the Jets. I think they're riding high after they're winning against the Eagles. I think they've... Found some momentum on offense with Devontae Parker playing pretty well, and Fitzpatrick is getting back his Fitz magic. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But I think the Jets just looked lost with their loss to the Bengals this past week. The offensive line cannot hold a block for whether it be Darnold or Le'Veon Bell trying to run it. They cannot hold a block for anyone, and I think 
even this Dolphins front will just be able to eat them up. So I'm taking Miami in this game. Makes a difference when you actually try to win games, huh? We all heard it here first, guys. Offsets, hopefully going to happen. We're going to take a short break and we come back a very short this week in hockey. You're listening to Corner on KCU 88.1 FM and KCU.FM. Looking for your weekly fix of Mizzou sports content? Look no further than the longest-running Mizzou sports talk show on KCLU, Salute Your Sports. Join me, Chris Mitchell, alongside James Stanley and Zach Berman as we break down everything you need to know about Mizzou sports every Thursday at 4 p.m. Central. And if you can't tune in for the live show, you can listen to the show in podcast form every Friday on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is KCOU, 88.1 FM. Are you trying to release the hottest project of this year, possibly next? Come down to our studio in the Student Center, and we can mix, master, record, edit, engineer your whole project, your whole artistic experience wrapped into one visit. Please come down and visit us. If any of this interests you, please email sessions at kcou.fm. Looking for live music for your event? Look no further than KCU 88.1 FM. Whether it be an event for your student organization, local business, or even a private party, let KCU's trained DJs provide the jams. Our DJs work with you to craft the right playlists for your event at an affordable price. For more information, contact Nash Walker at business at KCU FM. That is business at KCU.FM. A lot of stuff's kind of happened the last couple weeks here in hockey, including kind of the, the joke of the National Hockey League being the New Jersey Devils, the team that has so much hype and just kind of, well, they devils it. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I, I should feel bad, but I really don't. They're 9-14-4 right now. They're second worst team in the East, only to the Red Wings. They fired their coach, John Hines, and taking in in the interim is, I believe it's Alan Nasrudin is how you pronounce his name. He, they have the talent necessary to go on a run. They just need to put it together. PK Subban, they acquired this off season. The defenseman, Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes he's list. been struggling this season, but he's a very good talent. Taylor Hall, Kyle Palmieri, Nico Hishier, they and um, Nikita Gusev is a third or fourth liner, but he looks like he could be a stud as well. So they have a lot of talent on that team. They just need to actually put it all together. It's kind of very similar to what we. Always talk about with the Cowboys. I was actually going to make that point too. I mean, good minds think alike, hey. But there, there's to me, it's frustrating. That team should be competing with the likes of. Funny thing to say here, it just feels so wrong. Should be competing with the likes of, let's say, in the East Conference, the Panthers. Like, I know the Panthers have kind of been a joke as well, but second place in the Atlantic Division is something to kind of be a little proud of, even though they're 14, 15 points behind the Bruins, but still second place <laughs> is second place. Yeah, the Bruins are really separating themselves from the pack, but I think if you're the Devils, there's you're in that point after your coach just gets fired where you're like, okay. Now what? <laughs> there can be, I, I was going to say something else, so I'm going to take a more positive spin on it. There can <laughs> be hope for a little bit where... You know, you can make the excuse for the first couple games. We're always just trying to get the players in his playing his style of hockey and doing this and adapting. I think you can kind of ride that for a few games, and then if it still starts to go downhill, 
that's when you're hitting the panic button. But I think it, you know, they're a team that's very talented and they're making this move to save themselves because clearly it wasn't working with Heinz. Well, this reminds me of a team that was in last place at one point and fired their head coach and then decided uh, to let's go not on a call, run. Let's I, not I call know. parallels to I'm what just might, be, saying. Just, I'm what just might saying. be just a freak occurrence that we, we might never see again. We, I, you know, we may, or we, we may or we may not. I mean, who knows? I mean, we, we said that last year. is like so much talent on this team. There's too much talent for it to fail, and that's kind of similar to what yeah, we're Yeah, but they don't have Bennington. That's the thing. Well, yeah. They but don't. you don't know. I mean, we didn't know who Bennington was at that point. And then maybe somebody could come out for New Jersey and just be crazy. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Hockey is hockey is weird, and I think hockey we all know weird. that. Yeah, that that's a very that's a very valid. I, thing I don't to like say to count hockey. people out. This no, no, early. Yeah, there's always been this team that's kind of like for the past um, in the past couple sports seasons we've had. There's been a team that's been kind of chilling in the cellar halfway through the season. Look at the Nationals who went on to win the World Series, and look at the Blues last year who went on to win the Stanley Cup. So it's not something that's completely unheard of. And I think you said a freak occurrence. I don't think it's necessarily a freak occurrence. I think it's something that doesn't happen often, and it's big news when it happens. But, like, it could still happen. And I think teams are trying to... I think it, we're coming to a point where teams are actually trying to pull themselves out of the cellar because they've seen it can be done, um, exemplified by the other two teams that I just mentioned. Yeah, but I just... I, I don't see it happening with the Devils. I really don't. I don't see it happening either, but I think saying it's a complete impossibility is also wrong. I, I didn't... I didn't say it was a complete impossibility. I said it's the odds of pretty much what I'm going to go back on what I said. So the odds of it happening again are very slim. Yeah. It basically I think meaning it's, it's near, it's near impossible. In I, my opinion. Most of the time impossible. when you fire a coach mid season, it's to kind of light a fire under your guys. And we'll know fairly soon here. There'll be a few games. I think they played the Blackhawks tonight there, are a few, there, there'll be a few games where they probably look lost and they're trying to play their new coach's style of hockey. But I think after a few games, we'll know pretty soon if this could be a potentially successful team or if this is going to be something that they're still at the very end of the, um, at the very bottom of the conference, um, come the end of the year. All right, now it's time to go to our award ceremony for this week. Now, as we know, we award a skater of the week. Goalie of the week and a team of the week. I'm going to go first here. Nathan McKinnon had a fantastic week. He is my skater of the week. Nine points, three goals, and six assists during the last seven days. So congrats from all of us here at the Hot Corner. Well, it's hard not to go with a guy that's leading everybody in points here, but I'm going to go with Connor McDavid, the best hockey player in the league right now, arguably, for the Oilers as my player of the week. So we didn't have a show last week, but two weeks ago, I chose Jack Eichel, and funny enough, I'm choosing Jack Eichel again this week. He's going for the repeat. Three goals, four assists on the week. That's seven points. 61.7% in faceoffs this week. So he's he's been around, and he's he's had a good week. All right, my goalie of the week, Jake Allen of my hated St. Louis Blues. But 2-0, percentage. Only allowed one goal on 70 shots. And, that's worthy. And a shutout of the Blackhawks yeah. as well. <laughs> no matter how sad that makes me feel, but he deserves it. Michael. All right. I'm going to go with Pekka Rennie. Um, he did allow three goals against Tampa Bay, but he shut out Carolina, the bunch of jerks, as we like to put it. <laughs> My second 31 saves in that game and shut him out. So Pekka Rennie props. I'm choosing Malcolm Subban of the Vegas Golden Knights. Marc-Andre Fleury is hurt, so Subban's been filling in. He's day-to-day at this point, Fleury is. 3-0 and 
in the three games he's played so far. 96 saves on 101 shots. It's a 95% save percentage. So especially being a guy who's a backup and only plays every now and again, Malcolm Subin's had an incredible week. And finally, team of the week, which I feel might be a little bit unanimous here, but the Boston Bruins are my team of the week. They were on an eight-game win streak until the Blackhawks beat them last night, which made me happy. (laughs) But even losing in overtime extends their point streak to at least 10 games. Yeah, it's some... I actually did um, look at this. It is a 13-game point streak so far. The last game where they they left without a point was November 8th. For context, that's almost Almost, an entire month. Almost exactly a month ago. It is December 6th right now, so they've been just racking up those points, and like you said, they're 15 points ahead of the second team in their division, so great week for the Boston Bruins. Yeah, going with the Bruins as well. All right, with that, we're going to take a short break. We come back, the final word. It's not corner on KCU 88.1 FM and KCU.FM. A delicious power breakfast. Great way to start the day. I'm Brandon Anthony. And I'm Keegan Harvey. Make sure to tune in every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. to listen to me. And me on our new show, Breakfast of Champions. Here on KCOU Sports, KCOU 88.1 FM. My favorite segment of the show, the final word, where we all talk about something that, that we like. I mean, Michael has his Hero of the Week, Logan has his his uh, feel-good story, and there's me with my weird sports <laughs> liking here. But what I'm talking about is that last time we talked about probably the craziest event I have ever seen. The Tar Barrel Fire Lighting event was in England. Well, this week... A little bit more relaxed. We're heading out west to the city of Dana Point in Southern California for the 2019 Surfing Santa event. Now, before you ask what that is, I'll explain it to you. It is a charity surf and stand-up paddleboard contest to benefit Surfers Healing, an internationally recognized nonprofit that provides the gift of surfing to children with autism. This event is cut off into 12 different categories, and I'll name a few of them here. There's one called... Surfing Rudolph, Santa's Elves, the Mistletoes, the Chris Kringles, you know, everything that has to do with Christmas. And since there has been numerous winners of this, there's at least tw- there's tw- since there's 12 events, there's 12 different winners of these, so I'm not even going to name all of them, but I'm just going to throw out there and say congrats for winning this event. But what I'm more proud of is the cause y'all are helping. It means a lot, especially this... this I've heard about this... Uh, this charity a lot, especially when I was in Hawaii, I heard about it a little bit. It's nice seeing that people are are giving back to the community, and that's what I love to see. All right. Um, with that, my hero of the week is Nate Orchard. He went from, uh, looks like, cleaning windows in, or excuse me, installing windows in Utah to playing in the NFL. The Redskins picked him up last second to replace Ryan Kerrigan against the Panthers. This is a guy who's been bouncing around the league quite a bit. His family was really excited to see him play at linebacker, get that start, recorded a sack and got a forced fumble. Fantastic. I know it was kind of a, a, you know, a free for all against the Panthers uh, offensive line, but that's just incredible to see. You love to see it. Nate Orchard, congratulations. My hero of the week. So my city comes to you from, I think this is the first city I'm not able to pronounce, but I'm going to give it a shot. The great city of Nacogdoches, Texas. I definitely butchered that. But um, a couple weeks ago, if you remember, Stephen F. Austin 
beat Duke in basketball. A great, a great One night ranked for Duke, all of America. The buzzer beater in OT. And the Lumberjacks became the first non-Atlantic Coast Conference school to beat Duke at Cameron since St. John's in February of 2000. So um, Nathan Bain was the one who scored the buzzer beater to win the game. And Bain has is from the Bahamas, and his family was recently struck by Hurricane Dorian there. They were hit really hard. Um, he was nearly in tears in his post-game interview saying, my family lost a whole lot this year. I'm just playing this game for them. I'm just playing for my SFA family, my family back home in the Bahamas. I just want to make my country proud. They run a church and a school in the Bahamas, and both were heavily damaged in the storm, as was Bain's childhood home. So he said, when everything happened earlier this year, they had my back. I just wanted to return the favor. And Nathan Bain had a GoFundMe set up for their family. Around $2,000 had been raised by game time on Tuesday night. And when he hit that buzzer beater shot, the total had gone up to, all the way to almost $55,000. So Yahoo Sports with a the story there. Just an incredible story from a game that everyone was talking about, but I didn't know that there was a GoFundMe page and, I, page, and I didn't know about his family being hit from the hurricane in Bahamas until after I read about it. So really a nice story. I always love when fans of sports come together to help an athlete or anyone, really. And with that, that is the end of another episode of The Hot Corner. Make sure to follow us on our social media page at Hot Corner Sports. You can follow yours truly at Patrick Herring, Michael Imami at Imami Michael, and Logan at The Logan Franz. Also, make sure to check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, and any other podcast services under the name The Hot Corner. We will be back tomorrow on Sports Saturday at 2 p.m. And with that, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your Friday, and we will see you tomorrow. Be there or be square. This is Hot Corner, signing off. Children, listen to him. Sleigh bells in the snow. The snow.